0: There were no words in any language, living or dead, that could truly describe the Thing. That it was ancient was unquestionable, that it was unknowable could not be denied. The warrior gripped tighter his sword, only one truth for certain, the beast must die.
1: That is not dead which can eternal lie, and with strange eons. Even death may die. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rogues in the House. Tonight, we are talking about cosmic horror. Hi everyone, this is Alex, and with us as always, we have Logan. How's it going? uh, Good, how are you? And Matt, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. uh, Summer's dwindling down. Enjoying my last few days. Logan's already started school.
0: I have. Yes, I have.
1: Do you start, Oops. do you guys, uh, when do you guys start, Matt? Uh, I have next week off still,
2: and then the week after that, Oh, well, I suppose we need dates, don't we? Uh, early September. Early September. Week, That's the first, when... first week of September, yeah, after Labor Day, which is not a thing you guys have in September, is it? No, it is. Is it? Yes. Okay, we, cool. we too labor. Yes, you do. You labor and toil, you you Americans. We do. We have a day for it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: cool. yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Let's Let's cheers. Clink, clink our maple syrups. We can, uh, we can all get behind Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and school for some reason does start after Labor Day, like way after the Thursday after. Oh, so
2: interesting. I, yeah, that's um, the same. That's the same with mine. Uh, I got to be there the the two days prior to get
1: myself together and right. Uh, you know, I'm speaking from a nine year old point of view.
2: Yeah, I'm speaking <laughs> from the guy who has to teach the kids. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oof.
1: All right, so uh, you know we got a, a really cool episode, I think, here today, right? Uh, this is something I know uh, Logan is super excited about being oh, yeah. the yeah. Uh, the the scholar on HP Lovecraft. Oh. <laughs>
0: um, coincidentally, we are recording this on August twenty first. Yesterday was Lovecraft's birthday.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you
2: mentioned that. I I I meant to make a note of that, and this is completely coincidental that I fired up a. Um, Uh, It was actually weeks previous, I was bumping around on YouTube, you know how you fall down the YouTube wormhole, and a, uh, a documentary on Lovecraft came up called, oh shoot, anyways, I'll look that up. Um, But it was pretty good. It featured like Neil Gaiman and uh, Guillermo del Toro and John Carpenter.
0: I've seen that one. That one's Uh, good.
2: It's one of – it's a Lovecraft famous quote. uh, I can't remember what it's called in the title. You're doing well. You're over (laughs) two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I can remember – I can't remember the title or the quote. Uh, Very good. But no, coincidentally, I I fired it up last night and it was uh, Lovecraft's birthday and I I didn't realize until Oh, wow. That's funny. Yeah, that's cool.
1: So, again, if you want to watch that, that is Oh Shoot. Uh, yeah, it's called
2: uh, Oh Shoot on YouTube. If you type Lovecraft documentary, uh,
1: you're going to find it. Uh, shall we go into the bazaar of the bazaar?
3: Yeah. All right. Let's
1: right, do it. That's a, hard, that's a hard switch into that, but, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, what heck, an easier right? segue would be to say that the documentary in question is called The Eldritch Influence, The Life, Vision, and Phenomenon of H.P. Lovecraft.
2: That's definitely not the one I watched.
0: Really? This <laughs> one also has Neil Gaiman in it. I thought well, surely.
2: Uh, hold on a second.
0: Oh, is it Fear of the Unknown? Lovecraft, that's it. That's Fear that's of the, the Unknown? One. Okay.
2: That's the one I watched, yeah. Very professional, gentlemen. Yep. Very professional. Actually, it. I want to say up front, though um, – I am not a Lovecraft scholar, nor am I any scholar for that matter. I mean, I attended post-secondary university and have some degrees, but wouldn't call myself a scholar but uh I just want to say up front that we're th- there are lovecraft scholars and there are people who devote their lives to these sorts of things totally and and I think that you know we we're a little more than the layperson as far as our knowledge of this, your average geek, but we are certainly are not authorities and uh if we if we say something that isn't incredibly accurate, um, know that we've based it off of a source, and there are all kinds of different sources for these sorts of things. So we're not uh, presuming to know it all, and please do correct us uh, and holler at us if uh, we get something wrong.
1: That's right. We do not yeah, check totally. our facts. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. we, no, quote, we We make are. up
2: quotes. Well, I mean, no, no. Listen, we're all we're, we're good enough that we don't. Read fake news like we do. Check to see that it's from a, a legitimate source. It's just that sometimes, and I know definitely in Howard studies, there's all kinds of uh, different biographies on Robert E. Howard, and right. some are going to jump right down your throat if you start quoting a particular one. Absolutely, because you know they come from people who, or whom who might have had um, certain agendas with with how they wanted to report it. Like an example would be like uh, in the Conan film, the the making of. of uh, with John Milius and he's talking about Robert E. Howard and he makes him sound like a, you know, a crazy person.
0: Oh yeah. And uh, there's that famous um, biography. It's, um, is it, um, the, Man from dark Valley?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that one um,
0: paints ha- Howard in a, um, a strange and almost insulting light.
2: Exactly. So, yeah. so that's, that's just the sort of thing I, I want to point out is that, uh, um, you know, we have sources, but they are obviously sources have to be, Cross-reference, so please, if something, uh, you know, we say is not, is
1: really sticks in your
2: craw, and there's reasons for it, do let us know.
1: Absolutely, right. Yeah. We like to talk, that's our thing. We, we do. We like to talk. And with that, the bizarre of the bizarre. Logan, take it away, why don't you tell us about your okay. thing.
0: Well, first off, um, I don't want to use this as a platform to advertise, but I did publish a book on Monday.
1: Um, congratulations so
0: thank you um you can find it on amazon um the author's name is ld whitney and it's called existence it is not sword and sorcery so i don't blame you if you're not interested it is like um almost like a tarzan slash doc savage type thing but more modern but um that aside Uh, I'm starting to commute to work about 20 minutes because I moved and so that means I have more time in the car to listen to podcasts which is probably good because I'm on a podcast Um, and I found this podcast that I've actually been searching for all my life and it's called Monster Talk Um, and it is a science show sponsored by Skeptic Magazine that talks about the science behind the strange so like What really got me on this, the first episode is about DNA testing and Bigfoot. Which, I feel like there's probably a cross-section of our listeners that probably are into cryptids and monster legends and stuff too. But the real one that really got me hooked was a recent one called The Shaver Mysteries. Now, The Shaver Mysteries are... So, they were written in... uh, What is it? Is it Amazing Tales? Which is a pulp magazine. And... uh, claimed that this guy Shaver had traveled into the Hollow Earth and had met the robots the Daros and the Taros and there's all these things and it basically talks about the history of the Hollow Earth idea as a conspiracy with the inclusion of the advent of UFO culture and it's all tied into weird tales like Robert E. Howard and Lovecraft are mentioned numerous times in episode 1 of 2 and even if you're not into the cryptid stuff, uh, which other episodes are, but I highly recommend listening to the Shaver episodes because uh, you will it's just like a, it's like a who's who of the transition from weird tales to actual sci-fi and how um, like what we consider like hard sci-fi um, real sci-fi kind of try to distance itself from the crazies, quote unquote. They were all about aliens and conspiracy theories with the pulp adventure type stuff. It's fascinating. And the rest of the podcast that I've listened to are also really good if you like science. It's not just like a beast hunter or whatever, like going out trying to solve the mystery. It's looking at the legend and talking about the science, if this was plausible, and talking about why it's not really plausible. So there's my, there's my thing.
1: I dig it. I like it. I might check that out myself. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, so I guess I'll go next um, So I think Logan You'll probably want to chime in on this one uh, I have Dived back in a little bit uh, Into Thundar the Barbarian For those of you who do not know Thundar uh, yeah, And his fabulous Sun Sword uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Endeavoring to watch all of the I think there's two seasons mm-hmm. uh, And I want to kind of revisit All the episodes And uh, I guess it's Probably more uh, Sword and Planet, I guess-ish. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, But, you know, it it takes place in – well, the the Earth essentially is thrown off kilter by a passing comet in the 90s. uh, It like shatters them. Yeah, and it essentially essentially resets um, evolution to some degree. Uh, And it's, you know, I think 2,000 or 3,000 years later. Uh, and there's a mix of uh, well, Thundar the barbarian, uh, and his uh, Wookie esque friend yeah, Ukla, totally the Mok. Yeah, totally not Chewbacca. Uh, and Ariel the uh, the sorceress, and it is a a marriage of uh, science and sorcery, which is, I believe, actually something that they say in the in the, in the yeah, lines and itself. Yeah, it's
0: like an age of sorcery and super, super science. Super
1: science, that's right, <laughs> uh, and. I love it. It's it's completely wacky. It's like it's everything that I would love. Uh, you could see. I think it predated He Man, so I think it did um, it did. I think He Man predated He Man. I believe it did. Really? Yeah, yeah. and sure. I think He Man uh, lifted a little bit off of that. Yeah, you uh, can totally tell. Yeah, you can totally but tell.
0: It's not bad. I'm not criticizing He Man. No, no, no,
1: no. But yeah. and, and it's funny actually because I'm going to segue for a second. I watched the. Uh, have you guys seen on Netflix uh, the toys that made us? the He-Man yes, episode have you watched the yes. He-Man episode yeah i did they don't mention thundar at all and no they're not going to do that probably right probably not but i mean it's it's just funny if you sit down and watch any thundar episode you're like holy crap this is did
2: they did they mention conan the barbarian on that do you remember
1: uh i don't think they did by name or if they did it was just in passing saying you know that was in the yeah, movies yeah. and you know that was sort of the big rage right now because I think they did on there was a there was a documentary on
2: Netflix as well about mm-hmm. Man Masters of the Universe, um, and I feel like they did mention that. I mean, obviously there is that sort of uh, crossing history between the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure, sure.
0: It's kind of like I don't want to call it an urban legend, but. It's an unconfirmed rumor, I suppose, that um, He-Man was originally supposed to be a, co- a line of Conan toys. Yeah, so here, he let's, hit,
2: let's hit pause on that, because um, I've heard that, I, I have actually heard it stated that, that there is, that it's confirmed, that there is that true piece of history. And I've seen it in a couple of places. I've seen it on, you know, again, about checking sources, like I've seen it mentioned on a YouTube video course you can't take that as verbatim but I, I feel like uh, I feel like it was mentioned um, in that documentary as well and we are totally going to do a masters of the universe episode oh yeah uh, and we will uh, yeah. we'll investigate that for sure
1: yeah this is for me this is just a, a little pre-research of, uh, for fun for before we do a cartoon episode I'm sure we'll do probably a whole he-man episode uh, since there is quite a bit of that. Uh, and then we'll, we'll graze uh, Saturday morning cartoons as well. Uh, but Thundar is, is good fun. It's wacky. Um, I think actually like every story to me uh, is essentially like a and d adventure. I think you could yeah. probably watch it, write down like the gist of the plot, and then just go run that as a one-shot adventure, which you never know. You might see one of the, one of these days.
0: And hmm. like if, if you're unconvinced, like the first episode – an evil sorcerer reanimates the statue of liberty right as like a golem to fight thundar and there's like is it's the one with eight people right like or uh
1: well there's lizard people i think in the beginning yeah uh, like there certainly are eight people in in another one uh yeah. there's werewolves that can yeah. turn you into werewolves by touching you or actually i guess the leader is able to do that it's sort of like werewolf tag apparently yeah
0: and where I won't go as far as to say that Thundar is violent, but it is more action-oriented than He-Man, who is actually extremely passive, I feel like. As oh, I yeah.
2: He's, Dull. like, punching boulders yes. yeah. out of the way and
1: using his sword to, like, not stab people. Yeah. yeah. No, this yeah. is definitely a little more aggressive. I mean, it's still a cartoon. You're still not going to see, like, character deaths right, or right. anything like that. But, um, yeah, it, it's pre- it's actually really good. I just feel like we should just very briefly
2: mention it was announced that there is a new Masters of the Universe show oh, yeah. coming from uh, Kevin Smith is working on it, as well as the uh, producers or the team who did Castlevania. It's all for Netflix. Yes, so, that's right. I, um, I, I feel like we'll, we'll pour all that into our Masters of the Universe episode, which uh, that kind of develops that'll actually be kind of awesome as a yeah. uh, talking point
1: well you know what's but- cool is we're really in this uh nice resurgence and no one's going to call it sword and sorcery but like mm. with primal coming this fall oh yeah. yeah he-man thing coming coming our way i mean it's it's definitely uh scratching the itch for us in this in this niche genre so and I yeah.
0: well, even the G.I. reboot yep. i know it's Completely different than the original one. Oh, it's great! But it I is feel great. Like it's great. Yeah, exactly.
1: We are we are in the age where they're
2: selling our childhoods back to us. Oh yes, sir. so yeah. you can expect some sword and sorcery to trickle in uh, with that with that trend. So my my uh, selection from the bazaar this week, uh, I have two things. I'm not going to talk about two things because one's going to come up at the uh, toward the end of the episode, I believe. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Conan the Barbarian one shot. Exodus. Um, I got that name right, correct Logan? The
0: Barbarian. Yes, yes yeah, you yeah. did. That is correct. The one in Samaria. Yeah.
2: By Isad uh, Rebic, yes. I believe we pronounce his name. Um, it is It is just a one-shot comic. There is no dialogue other than um, some markings to, to denote that he is uh, hearing a language he does not understand. So I saw a few mixed impressions of this online in the world of Facebook, and it kind of shocked me uh, that someone would even take a mixed stance on this, uh, even so far as people saying like it's not worth the money, and that just kind of blows my mind. Not uh, I'm not saying it's the best thing I've ever seen in comics, but it's less than $5, it is gorgeous. And it is a story essentially of Conan moving from Samaria uh, into, you know, I, I, I suspect the title refers to him leaving Samaria uh, maybe for the first time. He seems to be younger. But like Isad Rebic's art is phenomenal. Um, it's always been phenomenal. He's done excellent work in the past for Thor um, in a Loki miniseries I saw. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super... Like, the comics medium, for me, it's all visual storytelling. So, you know, dialogue's important, um, but I really do love to see it stripped down uh, to just the visual medium and communicating that. There were a few panels that I thought read a little oddly or didn't didn't necessarily go in the proper... Uh, the, the sequence was a bit jarring. But, I mean, to say that it's not worth your money or... To not recommend it to me is kind of madness. It's a special treat, and I suggest seeking it out. Um, you'll read it quickly, but it is the sort of thing that, like, you're paying for the art that that is that is on the page there, and it's absolutely worth the you know even if it takes you ten minutes to gaze at it, you might pick it up again another time. Um, I hope to see more of it. Uh, I would love to see a, a one shot every year from that artist. Um, maybe we will, maybe we won't. But if you have sort of been, you know, on the fence, or you have not liked the Conan's Return to Marvel thus far, um, that is a very cool comic that deserves to be on your shelf.
1: You know, it's funny too. Um, you know, everyone's obviously entitled to their opinion, uh, but when mm-hmm. saying that, you know, it things are it is or is not worth the money, uh, yeah. we live in an age where like. Character portraits for I see this all the time for like D and D characters and that sort of thing on the on the, the groups that I'm part of go anywhere from like fifty to a hundred dollars like just for the portrait for the artist's right. time and all totally. that and to get any book with really cool Conan art or any, yeah. or anything that you're into for that matter it doesn't even have to be a sword and sorcery thing I just it sometimes I find it a little strange and I get it I mean everyone
2: you know sure, everyone's it, a critic. Yeah, and it's totally subjective. It, what you want to do with your dollars, and I, I always recommend voting with your dollars. It's just, I just sometimes I don't understand people's expectations of things. Like you guys saw the other day, I, I posted uh, artwork. Like I went out of my way on a Sunday to go to a comic convention so that yeah. I could uh, give some money to local artists, commissioning their work, so I can later put it in, you know, my short story collection. But I. Like to pay an artist $50 for an hour or more of their work makes sense to me. It is a specialized skill, it's a specialized trade. Like they deserve to be paid. And of course, not everyone can afford that. And we assign, you know, different values to things. But I I don't know. I just, I I sometimes feel like you've got to pay for the skills. People have developed
1: them over their lifetime. They're, you know, anyways. Yep. No, but I mean, it's true. (laughs) But that's a whole other yeah. platform that we could talk about. It is. Yeah, it is. Why don't we uh, Why don't we dive into cosmic horror? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. I'm psyched. Man, um, I,
0: I want to start – like, sorry, I don't, I'm just really excited about this episode. Do it. Um, so I just want to clarify. Yeah. This is how I came to Sword and Sorcery. I'm, I love Robert E. Howard. As a writer, he is probably my favorite writer. I think he is superior to H.P. Lovecraft in many ways – But as far as influence on my outlook on the world, I think H.P. Lovecraft had the most impact on me as a person. So take that as you will. But like you guys... Um, you came to sword and sorcery through comics and Conan the Destroyer, is that correct?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm like
0: trying to no, talk crap. It's just it's a different no, no, no. outlook, which might explain some of my personal views on sword and sorcery yeah. compared to Alex and Matt. Uh,
1: yeah, no, not no. yeah. I came to sword and sorcery through that, but it's not that I wasn't reading Lovecraft as well along oh, the same time. So it's for me, these are all simultaneous influences. Harkening uh, yeah. back to um, the metal episode, just for a moment, on the cover of Live After Death, the quote that I read earlier happens to be on uh, etched on Eddie's grave. Eddie is the zombie okay. guy, so you know.
3: <laughs> just
1: so guy. you know, Logan, uh, yeah. and um, you know, again, I've mentioned before, these are the things that spark my curiosity. I saw it and had totally. to didn't have the the darn internet back then, so I had to do try to figure out where it came from, which took a while. Uh, and eventually did, and then I was like, "Oh well, what is this? Let me read this."
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Kids these days have no idea how easy they got it, right? <laughs> um, but no, interestingly, uh, so Logan, yeah, I did. I did come to sword and sorcery through He-Man, Conan the Destroyer, and then early uh, issues of Conan the Barbarian. I had seen. I don't remember honestly which struck me first. I'm sure it was He-Man, but I, you know, Destroyer obviously was like as a as a like a seven year old kid, it was mind blowing. I loved it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um
2: interestingly, I was also simultaneously a huge fan of Alien and specifically when I was younger I liked Aliens more, which I've sure, learned is completely false. It is <laughs> far inferior to the masterpiece that is Alien, though it is still very good. Um so that was the closest I got to Lovecraft until my adult life. And I, I just mean that in the sense that it is cosmic horror, uh, you know, a bit of existential dread in there. Sure. And we'll talk about that later, but yeah. uh, Yeah. I I actually just, as you're bringing up the origins, just want to say like cosmic horror, it's really, it's kind of a unique thing for me because I didn't, I've not really realized how important and how deep of an impact it's had on my nerddom. Um, I've just not properly given it a nod even until planning for this episode, but like, Oh. it is it's probably uh, when I really break it down, it's as important to me as sword and sorcery is. um and we'll ca- I, you know I'll crack into that throughout the episode, but um the more I started thinking about this episode and planning for it and sort of combing over things, um I realized just how huge it it has been as an influence in my life and and how much i how much of it I love. awesome, yeah. Nice. Well, Good
1: job. Th- Good job, Logan. Getting this episode yeah. going. Yes. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Um. I guess.
1: So you learned um, a little something about yourself, which yeah. is really all we ask for in this episode, <laughs> in, in, in this entire <laughs> podcast, is that you grow. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and also friendship. Friend. Yes. Friendship. The power of friendship. friendship. The theme of friendship. Uh.
0: So I think we got to start out by asking what is cosmic horror. Yeah. And I know um. No one else can see this outline, but I did pull outline or some definitions from people
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, from a few different sources. And I think they're all good. Um, but I wrote this one sins definition, and you guys can feel free to agree or disagree. But this is what it kind of means to me. And I wrote that cosmic horror is horror in the feeling of insignificance in the face of the universe or deep time.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Yeah. Um, the idea that they're just – things are so big uh, and terrifying because of it. Right. And and your own insignificance becomes terrifying. Right. And yeah. in some ways, that, that could actually could take a different route, right? And it could be relieving, you know? Like, yeah, oh, no, it's cool. I don't actually, really matter. But. Yeah, that's
0: actually the influence I'm talking about. So, um, in my life, like early on, blah, 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 whatever – when I discovered H.P. Lovecraft, it's not like I believe that Cthulhu exists or the Necronomicon is real or anything like that, mm. but the idea that I don't matter in a grand scheme of things is pretty freeing.
2: Well, it's it's this is the interesting part. I remember uh, you know, when I was I don't know, younger, looking up at the night sky and having that realization of like how small and insignificant we truly are, but remarking that it was actually kind of interesting and freeing and like, you know, humbling, right? Like positive Perfect. angle, but Lovecraft didn't take that angle. He no. took me it is terrifying and there are things that are the other are alien and horrific and I have existential dread now,
1: right? So yeah. the, the one addendum that I, would, that I would bring to this is yeah. uh, I think you lack the word comprehension, Which is in some of these other definitions. And and in every instance, at least in the in the Lovecraft case, is that these things are beyond human comprehension. Yeah. Like you immediately lose your mind and and are turned into a a drooling, you know, drooling idiot, essentially. Yeah. when, when When you're confronted with this. And which is actually. One of the things I think that we should talk about with Sword and Sorcery, too, is that it's handled differently. How you react to these things is a little more heroic.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to say, like, so I want to drop this seed at the beginning um, because I think I want to talk about it as we go through. Because I think this is the most interesting aspect of cosmic horror in Sword and Sorcery. Um, H.P. Lovecraft invented this in a time where science was very imperfect. And he mm-hmm. believed that the more science discovered, the scarier the universe would become. Yeah. I think that reflects in how Sword and Sorcery uses cosmic horror, which I want to get to later. That's just my own personal theory.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, uh, and part of what I was watching on that documentary last night was um, the idea that science, certain breakthroughs were changing. And they were sort of plumbing different depths at the time that were, I think, frightening him or, um, you know, contributing to his paranoia. Um, and I don't, this is the part where I'm nervous of, uh, you know, having conflicting, um, sort of, uh, scholarly evidence, but he, he, he came to this with other things other than the science, you know, his intellectual dread. It's that his mother, um, wasn't hugging him. His dad, went insane and he had
0: night terrors that he suffered his entire life.
2: Yeah. Lovecraft did. Yeah. Yeah, Um, but I mean, his, his dad was, again, this is according to this documentary, um, was admitted and he, he sort of went insane, um, and died of syphilis, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and of course asterisks beside that in case this is not, is not true, but that, that is my source. Um, but yeah, Lovecraft, uh, when he was younger, he dreamed night gaunts came to him in a dream apparently. Mm-hmm. So those creatures, he would worry that they would pick him up and carry him away. Um, and of course, we don't want to I, I don't I really don't want to turn this into a exp- exploration of No. who Lovecraft was, but I think it is important uh, cuz he he truly is the guy who jump started all the the major bits of this genre. It's Yeah. Lovecraftian uh, horror and cosmic horror are interchangeable terms as far as I understand it.
0: Totally. So um, his influences are pretty I, I would say they're probably pretty common reading for his time. Yeah. I know not now but I've gone back and read them out of interest because of the influences. Obviously Edgar Allan Poe yeah. um, and Algernon Blackwood was a big one, specifically the great god Pan and yeah. also Lord Dunsany who yeah. was one of the first to create like the pseudo fantasy mythology, which Mm -hmm. is not really horror at all, but Lovecraft loved the idea of having a mythology. And that's where we get the Cthulhu mythos.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, that's my, that is my favorite part of Lovecraft is, is the mythos that he created. Uh, and, and, and how he sort of, he didn't, he didn't really set out to do that in the beginning is my understanding. It just sort of organically grew from there and and actually that was one of the interesting parts of the documentary was that um actually having a close look at his uh the dates of which stories he published and when because uh he and this is actually i'll bring this up now because i i don't want to forget it is that um early on apparently and when i think of the particular stories it refers to when he was describing the creatures and the horrors that were encountered he used to re- – initially or early on, he, he described them as indescribable in a lot of cases. Right. And he would drop certain little details. But then as he grew uh, – I don't know, grew, but as time passed on and he wrote other stories, he started to actually get more specific about the descriptions and like uh, – of the particular creatures. Sure. So like he, he would get more – like the physical attributes would be more so defined uh, than they were in his earlier work. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Which-
0: Kind of like literary body horror at some point, like body horror being that 80s genre where like you're deformed or mutated or whatever.
1: Love body horror. Yeah,
2: me
0: too.
1: So, I Um, mean, all this bridges to sword and sorcery too in a very, very clear path. And I think that that's worth uh, highlighting as well is that uh, Lovecraft and Howard were Mm. essentially pen pals. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And um, they, they shared ideas and, and what a what an interesting pair that is. Could those two finding each other and writing to each other. Yeah. So, and I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Logan. Oh, you're fine.
0: It's my understanding that Robert, um, he was fairly young early on in his um writing career. HP Lovecraft already kind of a veteran of the Weird Tales um magazine.
2: Yeah, Lovecraft oh, was there bumping around a little first, uh, right. a little earlier, yeah.
0: Um, and other authors worth mentioning, I think, are Clark Ashton Smith, yeah, um, Robert E. Howard, obviously, and then Robert Block, who yeah. doesn't come up very often. Um, but Robert E. Howard and Clark Ashton Smith, along with Lovecraft, are like the ultimate celebrities of the Weird Tales magazine. Right, yeah. Um, and Clark Ashton Smith is interesting because he was kind of like the artsy-fartsy one of the three. And some of his his stories are... Dabbling in both cosmic horror and sword and sorcery, mm-hmm. but never quite crossing into either. So we've got this kind of weird, uh, triumvirate of mm-hmm. sharing of ideas. Uh, yeah. Um, he encouraged this like sharing of worlds, um, because both Clark Ashton Smith's Hyperborea and Robert E. Howard's Hyperborean age show up in Lovecraft stories. Um, yeah. from Call also shows up in a Lovecraft story, yeah. Uh, so he was encouraging this active building of a timeline or a universe with his friends and pen pals, yeah, Which, like in inside joke for them.
1: And what's interesting about that, madam, sorry, I, I think no, no, I'm no, go ahead, on you, go ahead, is that this practice is so common now. Yeah, right. I is. mean, and that's that may be one of the first times that, or at least one of the most uh, highlighted first times that this has happened amongst authors and about amongst uh, creators, right? Because now yeah. it happens, you know, uh, on, it's, on it's all. See so you, of... man. Yeah, exactly. It that. is. It, yeah. is. Uh, it is your the whole. MCU in that yep, sense. Your whole D and D multiverse that they sort of put together is yeah. just all these heads that have like kind of spun into this this thing. And now they have celebrities writing for it, as we've talked about. Uh, and this idea of kind of this, this shared cosmology and this shared universe uh, really, you know, has very, very strong roots here. Well, imagine, yeah. imagine how rad it would be
2: for any sword and sorcery or weird fiction fans if, you know, a premium cable network like oh, yeah. HBO or something- Produced a weird tales show. Oh man, where it's just that that shared that shared universe. Like, I feel like the public at large wouldn't even bat an eye, unless of course it was really good. Right. Imagine how hard we would all nerd out over something like that. I
1: think that I think that warrants you using your TV executive voice. Yeah
2: uh listen here huh? is that the one yes that, that, that's <laughs> the one that's
1: the one also a yeah. chi- also a chicago gangster but go ahead
2: <laughs> I, I got nothing weird tales 1930s we're gonna get it all together the necronomicon it's in every episode serpent <laughs> ringer set that was it
1: that's it bag it and tag it, it.
0: so Uh, robert e howard is there early on and they create like the use of this cosmic horror um and robert e howard we all know is like the father of sword and sorcery um if hp lovecraft is the father or maybe i should say like the head cultist of of uh, cosmic uh, horror robert e howard is like the um the war chief of sword and sorcery (laughs)
2: Yeah. So I, I, I'm not actually looking at your outline and I don't want to get us totally off course, but I feel like now would be a good time to look at, uh, or to segue over to how how cool it is to see how a guy like Howard comes in and sort of takes cosmic horror. and, And I, I, I'm trying to come up with a, with a clever way to put this. He's almost just like, uh, there's like a nameless horror in front of him, and then he rips his shirt off, and he's like, "Come at me, bro!" Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yep. like, "Nah." Like, that's kind of nah. yeah. Like I just think of that scene, and and it depends because there's a few stories I, I kind of want to touch on as far as uh, how sword and sorcery handles this, but uh, when I think of Zuthal of the Dusk or yep. the Slytherin Shadow, you know, when when Conan fights Thog, you know, this is like. A nameless horror. If this was a Lovecraft uh, creature, it would probably show up toward the end of the tale, yep. and then your protagonist would be a gibbering madman by the end of it. Yeah, but not Conan, and not no. and that's not the way Howard's going to play this, right? He has muscular barbarian dude face this thing down, stab the hell out of it, have pieces of his flesh ripped off until mm-hmm. he's near death, and then, you know, walks it off. he gets a little of that golden wine but we'll we'll forget about that but you know that 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 to me exemplifies the not only how obviously sword and sorcery can deal with this and still take those genre elements and make them work but it also just sort of uh gives a real it gives a real sense of uh might over
1: madness, right? You know that, I mean? That's the, yeah. that's the kernel of it. Is that uh, Lovecraftian yeah. horror is you're reduced to, as you said, a, a sort of a gibbering mass. Uh, yeah. And sword and sorcery, you're heroic, yeah, right. And and you're you are. We already know that they're going to be the victor, uh, yeah. But you're not reading. I it for I would put an
2: asterisk by that, but we'll, we'll look at that asterisk. Sure. At the, yep. at the uh, episode.
0: HP Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard wrote back and forth to each other on this subject many times mm. where Howard was just a believer in the indomitable will of the human. Yeah. Whereas um, Lovecraft obviously thinks that the human is fragile and the, the, analysis of these letters that i I read again asterisked on this um they basically refer to it as kind of like a pissing contest lovecraft is like i created this horror that's so mind-boggling it drives you insane and then robert e howard's like oh yeah conan cuts it in half kind of back and (laughs)
2: forth right yeah and and honestly this is where like i would love to have a scholar on board who has Mm -hmm. combed through that the correspondence between the two that's that's one of my big failings at this point is not having read all those letters. But like I'd love to know if there were any of those pokes or Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> like,
0: um I'm glad you brought up Zooth All of the Dusk on and I just lost the page. I killed it. But there's also um the Devil in Iron, and I mm. think it probably so in the early tales especially, it has I think the most blatantly cosmic horror. Because there's a whole section of it dedicated to Conan kind of like reeling through time as he listens to Casaltra Kel talk. And it ends with this, says all this rolled in a terrible panorama before Conan's consciousness as he crouched beside a tapestried wall, his reason staggered. All certainty and sanity were swept away, leaving a shadowy universe through which stole stole hooded figures and grisly potentialities. Through the belling of the belling of the voice, which was like a tolling of triumph over the ordered laws of a sane planet, a human sound anchored Conan's mind from its flight through spheres of madness. It was the histor- hysterical sobbing of a woman. Involuntarily, he sprang up, insane. So Conan himself is just like flabbergasted at what he's hearing, but this small inkling of the material world brings him back into his own like existence. And without even thinking he acts, he doesn't contemplate the truths that he's just been revealed. It doesn't like cripple his mind. He's just, I got, I got to go do something.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of the, uh, the quote he says about, I don't go out of my way looking for devils, but I'm not going to step out of my path. Right. Let one by that's such I'm, a good I'm, line. I'm, I'm, para, I'm paraphrasing. I couldn't look it up fast enough, but, uh, and isn't that just the essence of what we're talking about in terms of how Robert E. Howard deals with it. And, yeah. and again, asterisk beside that, because that's a lot of his fiction does sort of do a little more of a Lovecraft ape and does a, a different blend. It's not necessarily like a massive bicep in the way of your tentacle beast. Sure. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some nuance throughout.
0: I, I do think it's worth mentioning. Cause we kind of skipped over straight to Conan. Um, but Cole does his fair share of dealing with cosmic horror. Mm. But like all Cole stories, they're almost more philosophical in nature than yep. scary. So the ones that come to mind specifically <clears throat> are the mirrors of twos and thune, the screaming suck all of silence and um, the striking of a gong, they all deal with deep time or some cosmic horror that's unknowable, but Cole thinks about it, Mm. does act most often, but he's Cole is just a more philosophical character.
2: Oh, totally. And that, that, that idea of deep time is, uh, is, is something that's, that we can't sort of uh, brush past. It's that, you know, geological time, in a lot of cases, what we're talking about with cosmic horror, planets forming, right? Um, and you know, sometimes there are these, there's these objects, or like a shining trapezohedron that will allow you to look in and glimpse anything from anywhere, from any time, um, which sort of contribute to that terror. But uh, and this is the last thing I'm going to say for a minute because I see Alex hasn't said anything for a while, and I feel like I'm sucking up all the oxygen. Sorry, Alex. But, You guys are all good. You're doing fine. It sort of just makes me think that like, you know, you're talking about call and it's sort of philosophically, uh, philosophical blingings. And then, you know, Conan was like the last big hero that Howard made. And you just get a sense where he was just like, screw this. Rips his shirt off and is just like, (laughs) I'm making a hero that's just all about giving her. He flexed. And he's killing everything he'll have close scrapes but he's always going to conquer
3: yeah and that's like I,
2: that's like his last his last statement And when you look at all the other fiction he created and the different sorts of heroes like you know bran mcmorn is the last king of a race he only sort of belongs to they don't really look like him call is like what do i do with all of this i'm constantly in my own head and conan's just like give me the wine give me the ladies give me the creature in which to sheath my blade. Yeah. Rad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's another, uh, this isn't, I think on our, on our list here, but I wanted to bring up um, the use of, of items uh, within Lovecraftian horror and uh, sword and sorcery, like recurring items, which I think is uh, very tangential and very related the Necronomicon, of course, being mm-hmm. uh, probably the most uh, most obvious in Lovecraftian horror. And in Sword yeah. and Sorcery and Conan, what is it?
0: Book of Ebon.
1: That's one, right. yeah, right? Uh, I was also thinking of. Oh,
0: the Scrolls of Skellos. That's yes, what
1: you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, Skellos.
0: So Skellos was a Robert E. Howard thing, and the Book of Ebon is a Clark Ashton Smith thing, but it appears in Lovecraft, CAS, and REH. Um, and you know all vice versa um reh also created his own lovecraftian tome and i just think it's fun to say it's called like oh god it's a german for unspeakable cults it's like underspreck a lick in Colton or something like
3: it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but, like it appears in uh it appears in Lovecraft as well because Robert yeah. E. Howard did much more than just sword and sorcery
2: but so well.
1: dollar 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 store Chromecast in the house that's right that's right of course <laughs> so my dollar point 99. is is that these artifacts though uh persist and I think that's a big part of uh of cosmic horror as well it, it is a prop and it is sort of a means to an end uh, oh, totally. but but like you know, in the case of the Necronomicon, uh, it is, you know, sort of a, a gateway to insanity, right? Uh, yeah. And, of course, these yeah. things are handled differently in the different genres. But I think that those persistent things helps grow that, that feeling of there's something bigger out here.
0: Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, Heart of Ahriman. Um, yeah, yeah that was Arman another of one, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, A fun fact about the Necronomicon, that I actually learned from that podcast I mentioned earlier, um, Lovecraft was always very open that it was fiction, but still it doesn't stop people from believing, Oh, the Necronomicon is real, blah, blah, blah. Um, He hated that. Mm -hmm. He dreamt up the Necronomicon in a dream and wrote it down when he woke up. And that's what it became. And like, people were just convinced, Oh, this makes so much sense. And in the same time that um, I want to say like occultism and theosophy were a big deal. And that played a lot of part into what people wanted to believe about it, but he hated that. Interesting. Yeah.
1: He's a local boy as well. As oh as yeah. yeah. You're
0: in Lovecraft country, aren't you? Yep.
1: Well, not not quite, but close enough. Uh, I well, li- I, love I live you. about forty five minutes away from Arkham. Oh. Dang. Wait! 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 Not a real place, right? Not a real place. No. <laughs> But uh, but miskatonic, uh, I, am a, I am I have a actual. I should have brought it out for this. You got a PhD, don't you? I you have, have a PhD. miskatonic uh, university coffee mug. Oh, that's so cool! Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's like a nice collegiate coffee mug. Shoot, man, that would be a good meeting spot. They do uh, necronomicon.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh
2: yeah. Too far. That's not that far from me, Alex. I could meet you there. Yep. Yep.
1: All That'd right. We'll talk about Yeah. He's like, yep, yep. I could actually do that very easily. I, <laughs> I could do that. I I, oh, I could you. go. Yeah. It's a lot easier uh, than uh, some other ships we've talked about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so let's let's uh move on a little bit um and I like how you guys have coined the Silver Age of Sword and Sorcery. Yeah. That like I if nothing else I feel like we should have sure. like rights on that.
0: Is that our thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> With the the weird tale, Tales era with REH being the Golden Age, Silver Age being, like, what,
2: 60s More, 70s? Yeah, Moorcock, Carl Edward Wagner. Kind yeah, of and
0: Liber to some extent.
2: Uh, Liber's, yeah, to an extent, yeah. But, I mean, as we learned during that episode, he wrote stuff way back.
0: Right. He did, yeah. He spans the
1: ages. Yeah.
0: So, this is where I want to drop that um, that little seed I planted earlier. So before we talk about it, I had mentioned that I thought that cosmic horror was kind of rooted in the science of the time through H.P. Lovecraft. Um, H.P. Lovecraft's predictions never quite came true. The more we expand on science, like we haven't discovered anything truly horrifying.
2: Um, I disagree.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Hang on
2: that. That actually, that's a, but that's a good flub. Yeah, that's Um, fair.
0: Um, but I think that um, kind of reflects itself in the Silver Age of Sorum Sorcery, and we're going to get into that. You guys can let me know what you think, or listeners, let me know what you think after this.
1: So, so, so you're right. I mean, we haven't discovered, uh, you know, a giant Cthulhu or something right. like that, like lurking under the seas, or uh, you know, a spaghetti monster floating in the the cosmos above us. And we haven't found that yet. Um, I think Dude, Look in the ocean for a second Yeah <laughs> Right Well there's yeah. that There is that um, yeah, yeah. I think what we have found Is horrors that are um, Smaller Like Oh yeah I, I micro-, micro horrors If you will Okay yeah. Do you want to dive into that Because I got one that
2: is not micro And is absolutely No I want to hear high it high. If you have something Yeah So I was going to bring this up Toward the end of the episode But I'll bring it up now um, HBO recently Aired a miniseries Called Chernobyl and i'm 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 of the age where when i was younger they taught about chernobyl uh in school which was the disaster uh in the 80s in russia with the nuclear plant incredible mini series uh, if you have not watched hbo's chernobyl perhaps you watched the final season of game of thrones and had a real bad taste in your mouth you can wash that out with chernobyl because it is a it's the best television i've watched all year and the yeah. reason I bring it up now is the the first episode, the first couple episodes, in my opinion, totally cosmic horror. Now, yes, they are based on true happenings, but this is like terrifying science fiction or what you hope would be terrifying science fiction. But that first episode, the first two episodes especially, are that sense of what have we done? We have... Dug too deep, and we have unleashed a horrifying monster. Yeah, and, and, and the series is treated sort of like, like a monster movie. And so, in my opinion, if Lovecraft uh, could have seen that occur, he would have felt completely vindicated in what oh, he. Yeah, I said. bet you're
0: right. Mm-hmm. I bet you're right.
2: Because it's it's this. It, it is totally Lovecrafty, and it's this thing. You know, you see people who've been exposed to it, then they seem fine. And then they turn into these rotting, ghoulish things. Yeah, and this happened, man. This was this really occurred, right? Uh, and and as we record this, it sounds like there might be another mini situation happening in the Russian parts. I don't know if you've heard about this, I but not. well, look yeah, into I'll, it. I
0: will have to look it's, that up when we sounds, get. So sounds so like a.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I think you're supporting what I was saying about uh, it being on the small scale, right? I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, As time has gone on, we've developed uh, weapons that are so horrifying. Sure, and 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 even not weapons. I mean, honest to God, like science that has gone wrong like this, right? I mean, like that. That's more what I'm. That's more what I'm talking about. It isn't necessarily uh, a cosmic horror, but we have some sort of a. Uh, existential yeah yeah it is a little bit more like that and and in some ways it is a little incomprehensible and also viruses and bacteria look like they have little tentacles and stuff too so you know (laughs) they do yeah yeah so yeah i guess we we haven't
2: faced uh we haven't actually faced extinction head-on just yet we're not all dead um
1: but but you're right um It's
2: coming. I I guess that makes it smaller. Yeah,
1: don't worry. We might be dead by the time. The good thing is, is this podcast will persist even past, (laughs) even past uh, extinction. Al Gore
0: made it so the internet will always be. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) anyway, (laughs) Silver Age of Sword and Sorcery. I want to start with Kane because I think Kane is an interesting figure, maybe Mm. a little bit more in this aspect than Elric. Kane himself is an immortal. If you haven't read Kane, I highly suggest it. Um, Written by Carl Edward Wagner. (laughs) as a gothic horror slash sword and sorcery character. Um, very similar to Conan. Um, I haven't read it, but I hear Carl Edward Wagner's The Road of Kings is one of the best Conan pastiches. So I uh,
2: think... Yeah. Yeah? It's, okay. It's, it's, it's good. It's not... Uh, I think I like John C. Hawking's Emerald Lotus better. Sure. And I actually prefer... Uh, I'll shout out to our boy Scott Odin on this one. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, that's fair. I think his prose is... The uh, you know,
0: a listener actually lit, uh, emailed us earlier today. This morning, I got it when I woke up, and I suggest he was like, "Robert E. Howard's so good, it left a void," and I just can't find anything. I was like, "Well, you got to get the Marvel comics and read the Scott Odin miniseries or the novella because it's the closest thing you're going to get to a modern Howard."
1: Yeah, the main the question yeah. you have to ask yourself is. Have you read the prose? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Do, do you even do you even prose, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: but but well, yeah, anyway. Carl Oliver, Wagner Kane. Um, yeah. And I'm not. I'm not sure. I agree with you necessarily that he's uh, very Conan-like. I think he has aspects, but
0: um, he's a big buff dude. He he kills things. He he's likes
2: stupidly him. buff. And actually, can I just say this for a second? Just on yeah. record. I see, uh, I'm in a Carl Edward Wagner group on Facebook and, you know, they'll probably catch wind to this podcast at some point. But like I, I often see that silly uh, conversation that comes up like, who do you cast as Kane? And everyone's like, that guy wouldn't work. He's not six foot tall and yeah. 300 pounds of muscle as described. And I'm like, do you know what a six foot tall person who weighs 300 pounds of muscle looks like? A moron. They are a mutant. <laughs> yeah, they don't I exist. Can you can't. You can't. You be. cannot. You can't take that person seriously when words are coming out of their mouth. No. <laughs> you can't. No, and I, so I agree. Like, just, um, just calm that down a bit. It's an adaptation. Okay, move on. Sorry, no, you're fine. They I
1: themselves are said, a said, cosmic horror. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, which is I was to say because <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I don't know why that tickled
3: me. So
0: Cuz Cain being an immortal has existed in like from the beginning of the creation of humans in in Cain's lore and specifically in the novel or novella depending on, you know, its size, um, he I think Almost qualifies as a cosmic horror himself, especially in the deep time kind of scenario, because there's a whole bunch of dialogue that's all about, is this the real cane from like ancient legend, the pirate cane.
2: Right. Red Kane,
0: oh, Yeah. Red Kane, the pirate.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and he fits the description of this like ancient legend that devastated the shores of this island kingdom. And people are constantly worried that somehow, despite supposedly being dead, Kane had a red Kane has come back. And it's true. It is Kane. And some of the characters find that out later. And, like, I don't want to say they're driven to insanity, but they're definitely like, what the f- going on?
2: Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I hadn't really considered that Kane himself is the cosmic terror in those yeah. tales. Yeah. you look at that uh, you know you you take that point of view he is he is the thing that he's threat. Right.
0: despite he's the a, like tentacle aliens with laser firing submarines in the bottom of the ocean right. the real core is kane
2: kane the megalomaniac who is immortal and will yeah, stomp around constantly, right several yeah, times
0: trying to figure out how to control the the world and get revenge on this mad god that created him like if you read some of the short stories, Cain's ultimate goal is literally to kill what I guess we would call the Christian God, although it's heavily implied it's an alien in Cain. But like, that's his jam.
2: I think, I think Wagner was uh, having his cake and eating it too, in terms of uh, the actual motivations and origins, right? I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of debate around, you know, obviously they do take it back to the biblical stance, but there's a lot of uh, other intimations happening there. And I, and I think too, I think Wagner wasn't completely decided. I think he, he might've, he might've, his whims might've changed uh, had he persisted with Kane and, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He he might've changed the script on that, but uh, that, that is for another episode. A lot of the, cause we have to do a Kane episode. Um, um, Anything else you would. Also
0: deals with uh, the cosmic horror, similar in a way to Elric. I kind of want to combine the two. Um, The, he always tries to use, the cosmic horror to his own um to his own devices. yeah, which similar to Elric because Elric calls upon these these ancient gods many times. But Elric's cosmic entities are almost like Greek gods, which we talked about in the Elric episode. They're less this unknowable alien thing.
1: Yeah, they're very definable. They show up.
0: Very, yeah, I, I, definable.
1: I would have a very tough time saying cosmic horror in the same sentence. Yeah. And, and I'm not the most well-read when it comes to Elric. I, right. I admit Neither that. Part. But it seems like everything is very tangible.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, there is one short story in the novel *Sailor on the Seas of Fate* because I've only read the first two, where these like extra-dimensional witch twins that are definitely described as Lovecraftian horrors exist on this island outside of time, and Elric goes with aspects of himself from other dimensions to go kill it, mm-hmm. um, and it is a very Lovecraftian cosmic horror type entity. But the Greek god esque kind of things show up way more often than these Lovecraftian entities. Uh,
1: so, oh, I wanted to mention as well, uh, Fawford and the Grey Mouser, because I think they kind of fall in that whole Elric, um, the way, well, at least the way that I view Elric in this in this category, uh, is that the cosmic entities that they come across. Um, and Shilba and Ninggabul, I guess, uh, would be would would fall in that category. Really, again, are more tangible than um, what I think I would define as cosmic horror. Um, you know, I I think that they've kind of <laughs> are we all good. He's all, yeah, we're all good. I muted myself. Yeah, um,
0: I realized I put something <laughs> in the freezer I was not supposed to put in the freezer. I'm really sorry.
1: I'm muted too. <laughs> both muted. I'm like
0: uh, I'm running out of air
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> <To show down. laughs> oh man, no. Uh, Sorry. Uh, yep. So I might leave that in. I think that was pretty yeah. pretty yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> Carry on.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fuck. <clears> oh lord. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so so n- Nim gobbling. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think uh, poor Fawford and the Grey Mouse are on this show. They get they get their butts kicked all the time. Yeah, they do. Um, so yeah, I, I think that they are. <laughs> 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 that was that was my past,
3: man, it <laughs> was very oh
1: Oh, oh lord, maybe we just should move on. <laughs> no, man, leave that in, leave that in, carry on. Uh, yes, um, Matt's cat just apparently uh went ape, yeah, <laughs> ape yeah wild. My, my uh, one
2: cat. uh, yeah, the, 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 the cat actually this ties in, this ties in. So, let me just tell you really quick. Good, I'm there's glad it ties in. Thank you. No, it does save because this. You're gonna, you're gonna like it, you're gonna like it. Uh, so this one cat we got, uh my wife goes on these adoption sites, um, for the Dominican Republic. And this is how I ended up with an extra cat and a dog. Um, essentially adoption sites so people who go vacation there, they volunteer to bring the pet back so then you can adopt it. Oh, sure. So at he comes back, he's an awesome cat. I love him. Um, but he came back with a little present, uh, which was wife one night came out. This is around round time when we first got him. In the darkness, in the gloom of the hallway, she sees something wavering from his hindquarters—tapeworm, massive oh, thing, disgusting. Oh, and so, oh. and so, how's that for body horror, right? That's so uh, gross. Anyways, she brought him to the vet, and they excised the demon, or exercised the demon, and then uh, she actually brought it back in like a flask. And this thing was like probably nine inches long, and horrifying. Yeah. horrifying creature and if you a tapeworm like you can like break a piece off and the thing just keeps on living
1: yeah. yes they, it'll, it'll regenerate too doesn't it yeah
2: yeah, yeah exactly so, so the way and the only way you can really get it is if you either consume the feces of an animal that has it or you consume an animal that's the host so this thing is a hunter and he was probably slain well I know he was they said he was all the wildlife around the area where they had him was like
1: Dying out because he was slaying lizards and, and mice. So. Oh wow,
2: good for him! So,
1: public, I mean, that's public that's service announcement here: don't eat animals' poop and consume the host. So, since since uh, the cat craziness did happen, we might as well bring up uh, Cats of Ulthar, which is yeah. uh, H.P. Lovecraft's story as well. Sure, yes, it is. Yeah,
0: but yes. So, um, and the Grey Mouser. Um, very similar to Elric in that their cosmic entities are relatable as far as humans go, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, right. It's it's not incomprehensible, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I think we've, we've kind of hit it before that with other authors, even though that they may be triumphant against the uh, these cosmic horrors, uh, again, like a, the Conan or something like that, uh, yeah. He still is reeling from the experience uh, yes. mentally and that doesn't seem to happen as much um, with a lot of – like with the Elrics and uh, to my recollection, Fawford and the Grey Mouser as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think the the issue I have with Fawford and the Grey Mouser um, and it being considered uh, cosmic horror – I mean, obviously, we wouldn't think of the tales as that, but the the traces we see is just – they're just too damn charming.
0: Yeah, Loris
2: yes. are too damn charming. It's more to, of a buddy cop really... thing
0: than it is yeah. anything else, like or like buddy rogue thing. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> However, Again, you know, so Shilba and Ningal fit the uh, the visual description.
3: Oh yeah, the thousand Bob. eyes oh, and oh, the cyclists.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think yeah. that they sort of they, they paint that picture for sure, um, and then they sort of have their own uh, level of charm, if you will.
0: Yeah. 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 That brings us to the modern era. Uh,
1: Before we we do, though,
3: what
2: about – I just want to briefly mention Worms of the Earth because I think it it closes the circle in a way. Um, I keep – I think it is my – it's definitely my favorite non-Conan Howard story. Um, But I think it might be my favorite Robert E. Howard story. Um, I'll maybe get into that a little bit. Why, uh, in the next piece here, I guess it's just that the marriage between fantasy and horror to me is drastic. It's of huge significance. And that story I feel like is the best example that I can think of period. Um, I, I, I think when you, when you consider that story, it is, you know, Bran is not Conan. He is. He's a different. He's a different beast. He's not Call either. He nah, is he's
0: definitely contemplative, like Call, but he, he is, is a man is. of action, similar to Conan. He he, he readily goes out there on this quest to figure out a way to save his people from the Romans.
2: And he's willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah, he's desperate. He's he's unscrupulous as far as his approach. It doesn't mean he's not. He doesn't reflect on it. He doesn't. It doesn't stain him, but he does it, and and that's what I find so fascinating about this tale is that Worms of the Earth is somewhat tantalizing, and that we don't really know what happens afterwards. Yeah. But at the end of this story, you know he he makes basically a bargain or a deal with these creatures, these degenerates uh, beneath the earth who are capable of burrowing. Uh, underneath Roman structures and, and seizing a victim and anyways for you know, Bran comes to this he seeks the services of a witch um and then he goes to the the mirror of Dagon so we even have a Lovecraftian God yep. uh, injected in here
0: Fun fact like for those of you who have the Del Rey editions there's a draft and the yeah. draft of it actually directly mentions Cthulhu in it
2: yeah. Similarly, Cthulhu is mentioned in the draft of Phoenix on the sword, I believe. Yes,
0: um, as one of the statues in the Hall of Epimetrius.
2: So we can see that sort of cross-pollination there. Um, but with with Worms of the Earth, he brand he ends up, he lies with this woman, this witch woman, to seek her favor to figure out how to get in contact with these Worms of the Earth. There's a black stone involved. Yeah. Um, He, he goes beneath this lake. He's, he seeks the favor. He, he gets, he gets these terrible things on his side. And in the end, he's kind of remorseful for the vengeance that he's got. And the witch basically tells him they're going to come back and they are going to, they're going to seek you out again because you, you took the favor of these beings. And call rides off and, or sorry, uh, Bran rides off and he's, you know, he reflects on it. He even hits the witch. He's just like, gets, he, he has to remove himself from the situation. So he takes action. This is after cutting off the head of the guy, Sulla, whom he was uh, seeking vengeance on.
0: And what's interesting there is that the worms don't kill him. They just drive him mad. Yeah, they
2: drive, they drive him mad. And and the basically, right. He's brought basically crawling up to Bran, who then chops his head off. In this whole scene, you get the sense that it deeply disturbs him. He's not like, ha, I finally got my vengeance. He's like, damn it, I paid a price and I don't ah. know what this is gonna mean for me. And he's remorseful about it. So for me, when we when we look at this whole piece, like obviously Conan in Cosmic Terror is whatever, he ripped my skin off and I sent that beast back. If it bleeds, we can kill it, kind of thing, right? But Brand's a different story. He he dabbles here, he sees how awful and and black the these forces are. Um and he he rides away with the threat that it might come back for him. Which to me is just tantalizing. Like I I I would love to know what happens next with him.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the end of his story.
2: Yeah, that's like, it, man. That's that's you know? it. I
0: mean we really, like... like you said earlier, we really only get a couple of stories that actually follow
1: bran i think that's an important element too so two things as you that came to mind as you as you were telling all that uh is one you know the ending matters when it comes to cosmic horror if it if it ties up neat and pretty uh it's it's i'm not going to say it doesn't have cosmic horror in it because conan does but i mean Mm. it's more heavily emphasized if it has that yeah. little bit of, I mean, by true Lovecraftian rules, right? It's it's more of that. Uh, and then the second thing that I wanted to, to mention was that I think that there's um, somewhat of a direct proportion uh, in terms of setting to uh, cosmic horror. And in that the more grounded and real the world is, I think the easier you can achieve uh, a feel of, of true cosmic horror. Oh yeah, and that—that that is to say that you know, if if gods are interacting with the world, you know, and it's all very visible and and upfront, like uh, or demons for that matter, in the case of like Elric, I think you take a step away from cosmic horror and it starts to become something else.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, the more, if it's not grounded, then the terror doesn't
1: show up. Exactly.
2: Everything, everything's too, everything's too fantastical. Exactly. At
1: that point. Yep. And that's yeah. why that's why Lovecraft is what it is, is because these are just regular people, often too inquisitive for their own good, and they uncover something that they shouldn't have uncovered. Right. And what Lovecraft did is he, he injected it into his actual
2: world. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was
1: modern day for him. Yeah.
2: Right. And he he put fictional names on the settings eventually, but um, it was really about taking those concepts that he had found, and I. I feel like this is maybe, uh, I might not have my facts straight on this, but uh, Lord Dunsey, Uh Dunzani. sorry. Yeah. Uh, like, were his gods, he, he had a whole fictional setting. Yes. Anyways, didn't he? Pagana. Yeah. Which so, so Lovecraft like a, sort is of,
0: like a corruption of Pangea kind of playing on that idea of like a past that we didn't know.
2: Right. But Lovecraft just said it in his back,
1: he said it in his backyard.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Or so. Or, right. you know, and, and this, this ties into the next point that we, we kind of had on the list here was, uh, like, was is there, there a shift? And I think what you meant when you asked the question, Logan, why the change? Uh, the change in the way that it's depicted is perhaps what you meant. And I think that that's part of it. I think that writers yeah. started to embrace a um, more fantastic setting in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, I can see that. And, and, and that sort of dilutes the effect. Um, certainly there's been a, a large resurgence in that. And I know that you'll probably want, want you want to get into that in the modern age. But I think that there was a period of time where, you know, that I guess that whole thing sort of had its arc. And then knowing your pantheon became really the thing. Like your, your pantheon was part of how you would sell your book series in a way, yeah. you know, yeah. like Tiamat was a very, very threatening thing. And you got to know Tiamat, you know what I mean? Excellent.
0: Um, so, yeah, modern age. Um, I want to start out with this in that I think both cosmic horror and sword and sorcery have n- have not been treated well. I, wanna say, I think that's what I want to say in the modern age. I in, think, in the
1: mass market.
0: Right. Yes, in the mass market. Um, I think sword and sorcery has been mostly boiled down to buff dudes and topless chicks – which is a huge disservice. And I think that cosmic horror has been boiled down to, look, my monster has tentacles. It's HP Lovecraft. <laughs>
2: uh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, you mean that the cliches have done that? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Cause, um, Cause I, I would argue that like, of course there's still great examples. in course, there. But yes. maybe, maybe you have to dig, but I guess these, those tropes or uh, whatever we want to call them, the, the, the cliches or the, uh, yeah, it's best word I got for it right now. Um, the ones that stand out, th- they've sort of maybe marred the overall impression that people might have of those genres. Is that what you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, yeah.
0: in that like, so I, I, it happens a lot in RPGs because I mean RPGs are born out of Dungeons and Dragons, really. Dungeons and Dragons is a magic-heavy setting where H.P. Lovecraft, in a lot of his stories, went out of his way to make sure that 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 people understood that it wasn't magic they were seeing. It was a science that wasn't known. It was all about the science. But if you look at, like, the... Even the um, Call of Cthulhu RPG, like, the, the, the big one by Chaosium, it's got a magic system in it. Like, I feel like something was lost at some point. And I, I know, like, it's a huge talk um, involving, like, August Derleth and the people that tried to take up Lovecraft's mantle after Lovecraft died... Um and and it got muddled and now people kind of or like the the general public don't get an accurate picture of what it's trying to be
1: in the purest sense. Yes, yeah, so
0: the purest sense. Right. Um. Like we often, I'm not going to name any names of products. So I don't want to bash anybody. But there's a particular Weird West RPG that we talked about that you brought up to me, Alex, and the cover of the book. It's just Cthulhu and a cowboy outfit. Like (laughs) that's that's not any of those things.
3: Like,
2: yeah, I just, yeah. So, so yeah, you're 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 taking objection to watering these things down.
0: Yeah, not necessarily objection. It has its its place. Right. It just dismays me that people are like, oh. This is Lovecraft. No, it's not really. Is it cool? Right. Sure. Uh,
2: it's like yeah. Right. I mean, a, a Lovecraft, a Cthulhu plush doll is right. It has the capacity to annoy, but by the same token, I mean that's just nerd. That's nerdism. Yes, right. You know, you know? Y-
1: you called me a gatekeeper in the last episode, so <laughs> <laughs> no. This turn is turn about is fair play, me. my friend. Yeah,
0: this is definitely me being gatekeepy. I totally understand that upon self reflection. <laughs> I thought about that as I was saying it and before I said it. Um, I, but like the pulps get such a bad rap, sword, sorcery, cosmic horror, even early sci-fi. They get a bad rap because it's just, oh, this is junk entertainment that people sold for 10 cents a magazine. Right. But some of our greatest, um, literary inventions are from the pulps. I've never read Faulkner. Like I get that he's important, but that's like. I don't know, like Cthulhu and aliens and swords and stuff like that's a huge part of pop culture. And I don't know what Faulkner contributed to pulp culture.
1: Right. I mean, so this is not the Faulkner podcast. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) that is true. That's on next. Stay tuned. Well, I wanted to say, though, too, I think that like, you know, if we take objections lightly to Cthulhu plushies or we feel like we're being gatekeepers at all. I don't think actually any of us three are truly like that. I I think in some ways, the reason we do this podcast is to sort of vent those feelings um, and to do it in such a way that isn't just a knee jerk reaction on some comment section on the internet. Right. Like I'm exhausted by that. As I've said before, Um, I think it's totally fine that if you're somebody who has spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a poured a lot of love into a genre to be somewhat uh, bothered when you see it diluted or it, it you don't let it consume you and you also don't want to like close the gate so that others don't come in because right. they approached it in some way which you found objectionable it's like listen old man kick that crap to the curb <laughs> because like you gotta invite people in or yeah. this whole thing dies 100
1: Right? So, so what I wanted to say is that, you know, the whole gatekeeper mentality and you mentioned the word diluting uh, is actually sort of uh, silly in the sense that um, if Howard didn't um, dilute the the Lovecraft cosmology a little bit, you know, maybe there was some reader out there in the 1930s being like, yeah, see, see he, he took this thing and I don't like what he did. Also popular. <laughs> yeah. right but you know what i mean like this yeah. is that's no idea. the idea the whole idea was that it was a shared thing to begin with and uh you know that that much i do know and, well, the- and, and and you know past their their lives it's still something that's growing and is being shared and is being used and 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 uh expounded upon
2: exactly yeah. it's, it's like right. we said it's like we said uh earlier on um the idea that lovecraft you know, he creates these indescribable horrors and this existential dread, and the idea is that your protagonist goes insane and Howard's like, uh, no, this dude rips his shirt off and stabs it. Right. He doesn't about yeah. And I'll but, tell no, you, Logan,
1: if anyone was gonna write about Cthulhu as a cowboy, <laughs> you know who it would have been. <laughs> who is that? It would have been Howard.
0: Yeah.
3: I'm gonna get
1: probably- I'm gonna get a ton of hate <laughs> mail on that. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Logan.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was expecting, to tell you the truth. Um, but Howard did write Weird West. Yes. was essentially the beginning of Weird West. Yeah. Um, I would say it still borders on the cosmic horror and less on the steampunk side of things. Yeah, Weird
1: sure, Dead. sure, sure. Right. And but, you're just, yeah. I mean, I get it. You're, the steampunk yeah. uh, level of uh, love in this on this podcast is not at, yeah. at an all time high. Uh, you know, yeah, so, yeah no I, I get it we don't have to your taste your tastes have been defined in i don't
2: that. want to gatekeep but i try and imagine what sort of package you'd have to put steampunk in for me to not hate it before it even got out of the package
1: a sweaty right. shirtless barbarian like i don't even like
2: <laughs> punk man i like a handful of punk bands. <laughs> Am I understanding punk properly here? What are we talking about? <laughs> this is, like, this is like, a heavy hate mail episode. I feel. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do like my cyberpunk though.
1: It's just steam. Ah, who I cares? Yeah, I don't know. I, it, I don't feel it at I, all. I like I a little bit of steam. I don't know enough. I like. I like, like the aesthetic. I can enjoy so, the aesthetic.
2: Actually, so, let me just let me just answer that. It's the aesthetic that I loathe. Right. Fair right, enough. Right. If, it's, if it's a techno like. I see people in cosplay walking around mm-hmm. with like a couple of cogs on a top hat and like you know a vest and that's their whole deal. And I just don't <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? What's what's your story? Oh, you don't have one. You just want to be that. And like, oh, oh, what's that? that? A monocle peeking out of your top <laughs> hat? That's great. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave before I rip my shirt off and go barbecue.
1: <laughs> can can you get behind the goth aesthetic uh
2: the, yeah yeah and, and, and really i am being super shallow about this it's just the aesthetic that i don't like yeah. if you have a if you have a cool setting that involves steampunk steampunk uh aspects and airships or you know whatever you're doing um that's fine i, I can get into it if the storytelling is great i don't care what the skin is it's sure. just as the skin it is the least attractive one yeah. to me right
0: i once went so this is I was, my parents live in Phoenix, Arizona, and there was a Western convention and uh, Kevin Sorbo, the Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, who I loathe on many levels, but also <laughs> adore because I like uh, Hercules as a kid.
2: He seems a bit like a trash per- right. person to me.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I here, here but he was going to be at this Western convention because he's been in some like low level Western movies. I was like, that's cool. I want to go to this Western thing. And I show up, and everyone at the Western convention is steampunk. And it turns out that they couldn't sell the idea of a Western convention without including steampunk because no one would have shown up. Wow. In fact, Kevin Sorbo, he didn't show up either. So I was just in this crowd looking for Western stuff surrounded by steampunk people. And before that, I had no idea what steampunk was. Not a fan ever since.
2: <laughs> I think so we the, just need to blame. We need to blame the late '90s classic starring Will Smith, <laughs> *Wild Wild West*. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that was a huge hit and everyone loved it. Oh wait,
1: React. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually I, never. I, I never, I, I never saw it either. Yeah. Of
2: course, I didn't see it. I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. What, what is that uh, movie even?
1: Is that he? What is that even? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. We,
0: we have tangented yes. so hard. It's what we <laughs> oh do. God, it guys, is what
1: we do. Get back to it, existential uh, dread. So, okay, modern. You're so about modern. modern, right? Uh, yeah. Probably the best one to talk about at all uh, through all this is Game of Thrones. I think so too.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a touch of that. There's a touch of uh, cosmic horror in Game of Thrones.
0: Um, I won't admit that I've, I have not read the the books, so I don't know what it's like in the books. But the the TV show, the Iron Islands are like steeped in Lovecraft symbology. Uh, yeah. They're the the octopus banner. Their um,
2: their slogan. words. Their yeah, their slogan. Yeah,
0: yeah, that which is dead can never die, or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's kind of a heavy the, lift. The
0: drowned god is Cthulhu. Like, I mean, uh, like implied or whatever. Um, but also like that fire god. Yeah, um, red woman's god as uh, is yeah. playing. Like whether or not you think that god is real or not there's something going on there and we don't understand what it is or what it wants. Right. right.
2: For me, my, my, the most, uh, cosmic horror scene in that let, let's talk about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually, I, I would say that the white walkers in a bit too, in terms of the oh, way yeah. of symbols that they, right. they place on things is one thing. But, uh, the one that stands out most to me is when varies the eunuch. Uh, who's he talking to? I think he's talking to Tyrion. And he's mentioning, uh, it was actually the scene where he's talking about the guy cut off his genitals and put it in the fire. Yeah. Maybe it's, I might be crossing wires, but he's talking about, he was talking to, he was basically talking to the flames, whoever this, this sorcerer was. And then he said that a voice talked back that a voice spoke back and then that sort of changed Barry's outlook and his belief system. And for me, that was a chilling scene and a chilling dialogue. And that was the most, uh, I mean, I love that stuff when you can get true, a true sense of terror in, in the middle of, um, you know, a sort of fantasy piece about warring kingdoms, just those little embellishments to me is,
1: Right, and, it, and it's interesting too because I don't know that I've had thought of any of that as uh, cosmic horror, and I can I can see the tangents, and I can see it that as we're discussing it, but for me it was just sorcery, sorcery. Exa- and, and maybe, exactly.
2: And maybe you're right, you know, maybe uh, maybe we're being way too liberal with our definition here, but no, no, I think it's-, it's it's
1: it's subject to interpretation. If you want to see yeah. it that way, you see it that way. And
2: the fact that it's the fact that it's so unknowable.
1: That's exactly not, what I was
2: gonna say. Right, right. It's yeah. not. It's not defined, and it is that like we don't know what this is. It was just a voice. It's Essentially, something's talking from the void.
1: Right. You know, and, and how it's and we, mean,
2: we call it the outer dark. Right. Right.
1: We've said yeah. it. The, these genres are kind of kissing cousins in a lot of ways. And, Definitely. and um, you know that sorcery is a form of cosmic horror if you wanted to kind yeah. of boil it down. Sure. And I think if you're, you're kind of calling it one and the same, uh, especially if it gives you that fear of the, uh, that dread of something incomprehensible and larger than you, which is, I mean, yeah. again, that is how sword and sorcery sorcery is yeah. generally depicted. So I would, I would, I would footnote that with
2: sorcery is cosmic horror potentially. Yeah. That's
1: exactly what I'm ma- saying. Yeah.
2: Magic, magic, Harry Potter magic.
0: Is Dude, not-
3: Cur- so, yes,
0: yeah. Laura, Cur- my editor, um, I was telling her, like, Harry Potter doesn't make sense to me because this 12-year-old boy or whatever, however old he is, he's taken from a normal world and put into a world where literally every book on the shelf is magic. He would go insane.
3: <laughs> that is
0: why <laughs> Harry Potter is unrealistic to me. His little mind would not be able to comprehend that. But that's my, that's my thing. Um, But you're right. I think what really – this goes back to something you said before, um, Matt, maybe just in like our private chat. Um, No, I think it was the world building episode. You said world building essentially doesn't matter. God, how did you say it? Um,
2: I I can't remember what I said either. uh,
0: Paraphrase. Paraphrase. familiar, right? So like a lot of fantasy authors today um, being in like fiction writing groups – are really caught up in how their magic system works.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Does,
0: does it matter? Right. Not yeah. Really.
2: To me, it doesn't matter. It's it's the story that you want to tell is what matters, and then the right. exactly the, the rules can be bent or they can be evolved or you know they they can the the, the system is whatever it needs to be to make the storytelling work. So like, and, and that's what I that's what but that's what I like about short fiction and starting with short fiction is because. I'm slowly building this thing. I'm learning to write, but I am, I'm, I'm injecting only what I need. What to you make, need.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, like, and then it, I, it's a pen peeve together. of mine. And I know that that's a, a very, uh, Tolkien, uh, esque thing where, you know, you like, I think people get that from that idea. It's like they yeah. you, you must build out everything. Before writing and yeah,
0: and, I disagree.
1: And I, yeah, I don't, I don't love it. Like I don't, I don't necessarily want to know. I, I mean, I guess it works for some genres, but I don't need to know how magic systems work. Although I will say it's counter my own argument. Um, as a kid, I have mentioned many times that I read, um, the Dragonlance series, um, sort of as like my founding, one of my founding introductions to fantasy. And for a very long time after that, I had a hard time reading other, uh, other books that didn't share that same well-defined magic system, with the exception of *Sword and Sorcery* Conan tales, where uh, it was just accepted that this was an, an unknown. Right. Mm-hmm. But anytime like, anyone else tried to define a magic system, I was like, "No, nah, th- this that that doesn't compute." I like the one that I've read. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: We're talking Howard Lovecraft or George R. R. Barton. None of them lay out any kind of magic system. Right.
1: Right. In so, fact, and I, I would say as a reader it's more off-putting to me for you to to come up with a magic system. It's more work for me too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's int- more work have to, to interpret, but
2: I'm not I'm not I'm not opposed to it and actually when it comes together well I'm it's really quite cool. It's just that it actually doesn't matter to me as a reader or or a writer. I and I understand that it does for some um, and I support that. I just, you know, anyways, right. we, are, yeah. we are contenting again.
0: So we talked about Game of Thrones. Um, some other things that come up in the more modern um, realm of things. Um, I mean, the Alien franchise, I think. Oh, um, oh what? Yeah, that's your jam. Oh, God. So that's Alien another hour. Is, okay. Right. Um, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I think Alien, the movie Alien is definitely a great example of cosmic horror. Aliens, probably not I ignore that three and four exist.
2: Because like Alien three. three is awesome.
0: I just don't like Alien Three very I much. I Love
2: Alien Three. Uh, I won't get into that on this podcast, yeah. but I will support it until I die.
0: Going back full circle, and I actually do like Prometheus. I'm not a big fan of the one after that, but Prometheus clearly shows the um, Lovecraft infra- uh, inspiration. Well,
2: yeah, okay, so that, yeah. mountains of Mad- madness, right? Yeah uh the madness involves a team going into a ma- mountain and finding that oh another race has totally been here and has populated and done all this are stuff
0: are you know? slaves
2: uh, and then body horror uh Giant ensues big ones <laughs> there's definitely uh there's definitely huge lovecraft influence in uh definitely the first alien uh, um my god i love those movies so much
1: can I also bring up uh, Aquaman in even more recent films? Oh, yes,
0: please do. want yeah. oh, yeah. so
1: so they definitely have a uh, nice uh, shadow shadow over Innsmouth, 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 depending how you what part of the country you're from, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Feel to it, um, you know. There's that whole scene where essentially he's fighting deep ones, yeah. Um, it, it, like um, a whole the whole race of them, apparently the, the trench the, or whatever they were. Yeah, the, the trench. Kind of yeah,
2: trench?
0: and. Uh, like, it briefly goes over it, but the Atlanteans, after Atlantis falls into the ocean, the different, like, noble families change. So, you've got, like, the mermaid fish people, you've got the crab people, and the trench noble family. They devolve, which is a very Lovecraftian slash Howard thing. They devolve into these, like, deep one fish people. So, there, there's some Lovecraft
1: in there, too.
2: And it's starring Conan the Barbarian.
1: Yes, it, it is. is. Right. Wow. Well, there's your connection there. Could we have yeah. wrapped this up any better? No, not at all. So Conan. any any final thoughts on the topic?
0: It's too uh, deep to cover in one episode. Not saying that we're going to necessarily go back. You might go insane.
1: Here. You might- yeah, we
0: might go insane trying to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, we clearly aren't going to talk. Like, we're a sword and sorcery pod- podcast. We're not going to have an episode dedicated to HPL. Um we might we talk kinda,
1: about it. We kind of just did, though. We kind of just did. Yeah. It, um, if we revisit, we would revisit with a guest who is extremely knowledgeable.
2: Yes.
3: And
1: we would have to. Well, meet. yeah. And
2: also, uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about, like, we'll talk about Kane again, too. and sort of.
1: It'll come up organically as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. But, I mean, in terms of something dedicated, and I think I'd like to do that, too. I think I'd like to dig out a, uh, a Lovecraft Scholar, if we can find one. Yeah. I would no,
2: that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be difficult. I know. Uh,
1: no, I'm, I'm, I'm. I got your skull this Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think it? there's a lot of challenge to it. I'm just yeah. simply saying that that would be the route that I'd want to go. Yeah. Um. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's um. That's our. That's
1: our. Thing. How how are we getting out of this? We're not. Yeah, because <laughs> we have gone mad. I'm a
2: jibbering fool I have seen things you would not believe
0: I just saw something I don't believe
1: (laughs) (laughs) may your swords always remain sharp
0: continually go to a school year after year where there's the incarnate of evil literally killing your friends and trying to kill you, you're insane.
2: Don't go go back to that school. I'm going to go even further and say that if you're a storyteller and you use time travel in your story, go to
1: hell. Yeah, I would agree with that too. It is 2019. And I'm also going to take it one step further and say that if you are the incarnate of evil, and the extent uh, the the extensiveness of your plans is to take over a high school? I don't know. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a good plan. If you're still listening to a podcast
2: called "Rogues in the House," all about sword and sorcery, and you have listened to the Harry Potter segment on the episode that was about cosmic horror, then the hell with you.